Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Adams Live. This is day six, 10 days leading up to Father's Day. The news has been riveting, to say the least. Today, so far, it has been reported that three black men have been found hanging from trees, two in Southern California, one in Houston, Texas. And at first they are reporting them as suicide, but the appearance of homicide is evident in these cases. For posterity's sake, right now we are in a place of unrest in America and the world, and it is deeper than a black and white issue. It is deeper than a civil war issue. It is deeper than segregation and desegregation and Jim Crow and slavery, this is deeper than that. And I have been reading comments from people who are saying, you know, forget the past or let the past go. This thing that is going on right now is really not about the past. It's really not about the past. There is something that is an undertow that is orchestrated, pre-orchestrated, pre-designed, pre-determined 
to do this to unleash the types of chaos that are happening within the span of time that they've been happening in. There is a hidden agenda. There is a hidden source of control behind this. And for those of you who believe in God and those of you who believe in prayer, this is now that time to choose whose side you're on. Either you believe or you don't believe. And it's not my place to force you to believe or convince you to believe. But to those of you who do believe, now is the time for a deeper commitment to your faith, to prayer, to seeing the things that are not naturally seen, to be able to see the tailstorm, the the brush fire, the whirlwind, whatever it is to see the root of all of this. Because They're talking of defunding the police department. Well, if you defund the police department, then we come under martial law. If we come under martial law, then the whole system becomes open to mercenaries and people of all sorts. I mean, and and now that we are able to carry, it's almost like a precursor to the wild, wild west, places where we had conquered and become civilized and guns were used primarily for hunting and and all of that. Now they're not just um, becoming armed for the sake of going hunting four-legged animals or winged animals, but human beings. And that changes the dynamic. So Father's Day is approaching and men are being found hanging from trees, not just any man. This is happening to black men in America in 2020. I was looking at what was going on in history on this day, and there is a lot of good that was going on. Um, had first black graduate from West Point, man, um, had the first license issued to a black woman from the Federation of Aeronautic International, and there's there is a lot of things that were going on during this time frame. But if you go back and you dig a little bit deeper and you know that this time frame in 1865 during this window that 
slaves were still being held, even though it was illegal to hold slaves. And there are some places where slaves were still held even after this because the news did not travel to them down in the Delta region where people were up in the forest and the woods and as as late as the 70s, the 80-ish period, and they didn't know that they were free. And we're talking about not 1880, we're talking about 1970s, 1980s, where word didn't get to them, intentionally did not get to them to let them know that they were free and nothing was done about it. There was nothing done. There was nothing done about it. Um, no, no, no justice to that or whatever, and everybody just acquiesced and moved on along. But I still kind of wonder that somewhere deep up in the Delta region, if there aren't still people being held as slaves, because uh, no one is telling them that they're free. And when you look at this, it's like. This is deeper than hate. I mean, you know, hatred has has um, a base. It has a foundation. It's rooted in something. This is irrational. This, this is absolutely irrational that the level of disrespect for another human being's life is superseding hatred. So there, there has to be something. There has to be something. Something that people of color should be pursuing, should be accomplishing, should be achieving, should be seeking after because there is intent. This is intentional, and when something is intentional, such as this, and you've got terror at home, terror abroad, terror in the streets, and you talk about fighting a war. We have our sons and our daughters fighting wars around the world. And to come home to black men hanging in trees, to shootings, to killing of black men and black women when our black sons and our black daughters are fighting for the liberty of this country that we have come to call home. This is like the the Great War all the wars where black men and women were participating and coming home and not being free, not being respected while they were in war, being forced to live subhuman while they fought. And that, that's a scary thing is that if, if you put someone in possession of arms, to fight in a battle with you, but you still have the presence of mind to dehumanize and mistreat someone. 
And because you obviously believe that this race of people are so docile, are so uh, used to being mistreated that they wouldn't dare retaliate. They wouldn't dare seek to um, seek retribution. And you say forget, and and I I said that on uh, my social media post basically is that we are of this earth, we are soil and we are water, and dust we are and dust we shall return. The soil of the earth has a memory, the water of the world has a memory, and the earth remembers. History, water remembers history, and we are dirt and water. And because of that, we have memory. And forgiving is one thing, forgetting is another. And forgiveness takes the steam of what was done and the poison of what was done out of the soil and the water that you are as a human being. Remembering it, it's like you can remember what happened without the the pain and the suffering and the humiliation and the agony and the cringing of the thought of remembering what happened to you. That's what forgiveness does. It, it's like an anti-venom that takes the poison out of your system because the not forgetting and not forgiving turns itself on you, the human being, and your cell and your tissues, and it turns on you, and it creates all forms of disease, diseases, disease in your body and in your system, and many people, I, I honestly believe that a lot of the disease disease that we have has a lot to do with the state of our heart, what we feel, what we think, our emotional state, how we are navigating life, how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about other people. And you can feel great about yourself. You can feel that you are better than all and you are heads above all, but that even comes with a price because you can be uh, an egomaniac and that can have an adverse effect on your health. So <clears throat> leading up to Father's Day, I wanted to talk tonight about the Gestalt therapy, Gestalt, G-E-S-T-A-L-T therapy, empty chair. I remember one year attending an empty chair conference, my first time ever doing that. This was like the mm, mid to early 2000s. And I needed to be at that conference. And at that conference, my empty chair was my murdered mother because I had never gotten closure over her death, I had never been able to address the pain and the agony of 
having to lose her that way and to walk in on the crime scene. And I'm like six years old at the time, so it was very traumatic for me. And uh, burying her, not understanding fully what was going on, seeing her in the coffin, I can still remember the color of the coffin, the fabric of the coffin, all of that. I can remember riding in the limo uh, to the cemetery and being told to shut up, stop crying, shut her up from crying. And shortly after that, then I'm completely separated from what I had known up to that point and put someplace else where nobody ever uttered her name. No one ever talked about her. No one ever asked me how I was doing, how I, you know, how I was feeling. Was I missing her? You know, any, none of that. I mean, her name was never uttered. And I thought to myself, How am I supposed to to navigate this? How am I supposed to keep moving? So it 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 was all always a sense of feeling as if I was in an altered um, reality, if you would, because I was in a reality that I was forced to live in. It wasn't one of my choosing. I was forced to live in it and to learn how to survive in it. I had to do whatever I was told to do. And in that, growing up in that, and finally reaching an age where I was no longer under the control of that environment, but I still had remnants of what had happened to my mother, what had happened to me, and not having answers, not having closure. So I found myself going backwards to the past, going back to the scene of the crime, just driving around, looking at the scene of the crime, asking people questions who were still alive during that time to the point where it was it was consuming me. It was absolutely consuming me. And I remember I said, you know, I've got this is and I said, you know, this is the last year that I can go through this. I I must have answers. I cannot go further in life carrying this weight of unanswered uh unanswered questions. So I went to the library and I told the librarian my story and what I was looking for and I says, I know that it was publicized on radio, and if it was publicized on radio, I'm pretty sure that it was picked up in the press. And um, she pointed me to microfiche, and I dug through microfiche until I found the story. And I said to her, I only wish that I had the radio recordings because I remember hearing it on the radio, and that's how I found out that my mother had been murdered. I, I heard it on the radio, and we rushed to the scene, and I walked in as they were uh, loading her into the back of what looked like a hearse. It wasn't uh, a regular ambulance. It was a hearse. And the blood and everything and the outline of her body and the smell of the blood and organs and tissue and all that stuff, it was just like it was just so real, and it stayed with me throughout my life. And when the call went out on the radio was for blood donation because she had bled out and they were trying to save her life. 
and uh, people were pouring in to donate blood because she was uh, a loved member of the community, and <clears throat> she lived a few days. She lived a few days. They were able to bring her back. She lived a few days, and then she passed away, and then, uh, you know, we buried her, and basically, um, matter of fact, I think she lived longer than a few days. It's like... Um, Some of it is blurred to me now because I've tried to move past that, and I'm doing a whole lot better because I wouldn't even talk about it. So I'm talking about it now to simply say is that the stain of trauma, the stain of tragedy and loss of someone, and to be living in a time where there is such a lack of respect for life, um, I, I, I've seen it. I've, I've lived through the civil rights movement. I, I watched the assassinations live on TV of President John F. Kennedy, of Robert F. Kennedy, of Martin Luther King, of Megger Evers. I mean, I, I, all this stuff was televised. Uh, <laughs> it was televised, and, you know, I'm a child, and I'm witnessing this, and then to be alive during the time of 9-11 and watching people jump from the building to their deaths, I just, you know, and and it's like, have you forgotten all that we've gone through and how we walk side by side, black and white, brown and yellow, and we got through all of these things to come to this? So it's like it's an outside source, like someone imported somebody from someplace else with an agenda of coming to sow this because this does not feel homegrown. It, it feels as if it was like an infiltration of a group of people that came and settled into um, our community until the opportune time presented itself for this to happen. Um, we've had the the school shootings, we've had Columbine, we've had the bombings, all of this. And this is not the community that we should be having in 2020. We've gone through so much together. We've gone through so much uh, being at odds with one another, but we've gone through a lot of being in community with one another and coming together to help one another heal for us to be at this place at this time during um, a pandemic of the proportion that we have where you have people clashing and I've I've gone in stores and I've seen people uh, touching their physical body parts and touching food products and stuff. And, I mean, when I say physical body parts, I'm talking about hands in the pants and up the pants and all kinds of stuff, up the dresses and stuff and then touching products, you know, wiping your nose with your hands and then uh, handling money and touching products as if, if, like, you have no regard for the safety and the well-being of others. And I've seen people out and about, and they're, they're mingling, they're mixing, and you can go from the north, the south, the east, and the west, of this town and see a different response. You go to one side of the town and you see people walking around responsibly with masks. 
and gloves or whatever, and then you go to another side of town and you see people out and about, no mask, no gloves, no nothing, no distancing, no nothing. They're just mixing it up. And it's all um, surreal because it's about them. It's not about us. So it's like what's good for me, but it's not about what's good for us as a whole, as a group, as a people. So there's a lot of um, whenever someone comes and listens to this recording, just just know that I am not addressing everything that is happening, but there is a lot that's going on that is reminiscent of the, uh, the civil rights movement right now, today, the National Guard, all kinds of things. So defunding the police department because we have people who have managed to get into the police department who are counterproductive to what to protect and to serve stands for would throw us into martial law, in my opinion, martial law meaning that you would have the presence of uh, military or National Guard or something like that, or you would have private uh, agencies, private citizens and stuff. So uh, we now, just just so you know, is that we are in the artificial intelligence era, meaning that you can program a robot, you can program an uh, a humanoid-type uh person, individual, a mannequin to talk and act and behave like a human. You can create skin on this robot that feels like a human being. People are creating female uh, robots and having sex with them and having conversations with them because they are now preferring the company of uh, robots over real women and over real men, and um, there's there's all types of things where the we have all these different movements going on. We've got the Me Too movement. We've got Black Lives. We've got uh, White Lives. We've got All Lives. We've got Trans Lives. We've got all types of movements going on. We've got uh, Magic This and Magic That, and yet it's all about me all about mine, and I really don't care if it's good for all of us. I just want it to be good for me. So we are we we are in a very self-centered um, time right now. People are taking pictures of themselves, preoccupied, getting ran over because they won't get off their phones. They won't stop taking photographs of themselves. Uh, just absolutely obsessed, uh, cannot uh, navigate life, can't uh, function without the phone and uh, a presence online where there's so many different images of you and them with your lips puckered and, and your chest out and, and everything. Just, just it's like, you know, um, show me myself. And I'm going to show you this, but don't you touch, don't you say anything. So now you have a society of people who are becoming um, socially castrated, if you would. I, I don't think that that's a word right now, but I'm just creating that because 
Um, we we have uh, a need for pills to perform sexually. Um, we we have a need for all types of pills to procreate, to perform. And how did we get here? How how did we get here? And is, is it something in the food that we're eating, something that we're drinking, something that's in the water? What is it? But above all else, it's uh, man's inhumanity to man is at the center of this, in my opinion. And all this is going on leading up to Father's Day. We had a lot happen leading up to Mother's Day. But it has really, really taken an ugly tone as we lead up to Father's Day. And fear, fear mongering, to, you know, promote fear and provoke fear in a people. Well, you know, you can corner somebody for so long and cage them in for so long and eventually, um, you know, I, I, it's like, I don't know, I guess, there there was like a situation I remember I know I was a child I mean I I consider myself a baby when this happened and there was a bully in the neighborhood and he would beat up just anybody everybody kids and stuff like that and so one day I was playing with a friend in the neighborhood and someone had dumped a pile of uh, sand in the community and my friend and I decided that we were going to build sandcastles. So we had our little cans, our little cartons and stuff. And so we were scooping and designing and building and all this. And he came over and he stomped on my sandcastle. And I looked up at him and I believe he thought, because he had terrorized the neighborhood and the other kids, that I was going to just run and cry. And it was a tipping point for me, and before I knew it, I was all over him. We were rolling around uh, in the grass, and I was jumping on him and beating him up. And he was taller than me, but I was beating him up. And I think that at this point, my mother had been murdered, so I had a lot of probably pent-up frustration, and he just happened to be the recipient of all of that, and I know that the the worst part was is that I had a head, a head full of hair, and the things, the sticker bugs in the grass had gotten all in my hair, and it was a horrible, horrible thing to have to endure getting those things taken out of my hair, and it was shortly after that that I remember leaving that neighborhood and going to um, an adopted family. And then it wasn't until high school that I encountered him again, and he was a different person. He was he was he was a very very different person, and I learned later that um, he ended up committing suicide. So I don't really know what he went through as a child that made him a bully, that as he grew up, 
um, he couldn't navigate life to the point that, you know, he committed suicide in his teens. We were, we were in high school. So I, I know that we were not seniors or maybe we were seniors. Yeah, he he was a senior. I was a senior. We got through that. And I think it was a little bit after high school that he committed suicide. So I say all that just to say that you really don't know what's going on with other people. And when you poke a bear that's been hibernating and or is already suffering, you don't really know the response of that animal or that person. So forgetting to be kind to people and just assuming that you can say and do whatever you want to people because they are of a skin color, skin tone, a hue, or they look a certain way and you can just say and do whatever you want to them, be black, white, brown, yellow, uh, whatever color it is, and, and expect for people to continue to just keep it moving. These are different times. The the children that are in their teens and, and tweens and 20s and 30s and 40s are not the same group of people with the same mindset as the children and the teens and the tweens and the 20s and the 30s and the 40s of the civil rights movement of the past. These are very different human beings, and the response from them is very, very different than the civil rights movement of the past. And I, I want to say that that, in a way, is a good thing. It is a good thing. I believe that there is a balance, and and um, history says that you know we had Martin Luther King, and then we had Malcolm X. And that they were opposites. But at some point, the two of them came to a meeting of the minds right before um, the, their assassination, pretty much. And so I think that they were probably going to go in a different direction at some point because one stood for uh, nonviolence, and that was Martin Luther King, and the other stood for by any means necessary, and that was Malcolm X. And Malcolm had realized that, you know, by any means necessary is not necessarily the right way. And Martin had come to a point where maybe, you know, um, there has to be more action involved in, in all of this uh, besides marching and besides doing this and doing that. So it's this generation that are facing this current and I just cannot make myself call it a civil rights movement because I I I don't know. I, I feel like it's an equal rights movement if it's a movement more so than a civil rights movement because the civil rights that were won were won, but they really didn't fulfill the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King, I don't believe fully. So separate but equal, Plessy versus Ferguson, 
all of that, uh, we never really attained the separate but equal. And if we could have, say, attained separate but equal, then we may have a different dynamic in this world. But instead, we got integration. And with integration came assimilation. With assimilation came um, basically um, people moving away from being in just a segregated community. And you went and you lived wherever you wanted to live. And so if you go and you watch the movie Raisin in the Sun, then that kind of is the beginning of the the sprawl of leaving the dense populate, uh, populated uh, areas in the black community to spreading out into suburbia and mixing in the neighborhoods of the non-minority communities, sending our children to non minority schools, sending them off to colleges, non-minority colleges, which resulted in a decline with attendance to the historically black colleges. And so when when you look back at it and you think and you wonder, you know, we had great um, great leaders to come out of the time period before um, integration. And we've had great leaders come out since integration, but there is a difference. There's a difference. And so right now, the people who are marching and protesting now, it hurts. It really, really hurts because they've grown up on a different, philosophy, a different mindset than the grassroots of the civil rights movement. They've had they've been fed a different manner, if you would. Uh, their their manner has come from various sources. Uh, not just education, not just college, not just university, but it's it's come from the phrase of uh, talking about griots coming from popular society, coming from uh, musicians, uh, coming from uh, comedians, coming from people from different walks of of life that have influenced this generation. So they come to the table differently than a Martin Luther King or a Malcolm X would. And because of that, I believe that there is an undertow that is possibly threatened by that. And because of that, that that I keep searching for that, that this is deeper than hatred, it's deeper than uh, covetousness, it's deeper than... Um, we're better than you. It's it's deeper than that. Is that to to have the kind of disdain for another human being's life simply based on the color of your skin does not compute. Does not compute to me. It didn't compute during the first civil rights movement, and it doesn't compute now. That this is deeper than that. This is deeper than that. Somewhere historically. 
I believe, I believe historically that somewhere historically there is a record. There is a record that belongs to the black society, the black community that has been withheld. And the people who have withheld it know the knowledge and they see maybe the progress that's being made without us even knowing the knowledge and anything that can be done to to distract and divert and dilute the progress. Um, you think about the, the riots of uh, 1918. You think about the pandemic of 1918. You think about all the things of um, discord that have happened in society and in the community and in the world globally. And, you know, no one dares take anything away from what happened in the Holocaust. We had black men and women go in to help rescue people from Auschwitz and different places that Hitler's regime had people and the the Jewish people who called them black angels. So, but here we are now facing, I, I, I remember seeing images as a little girl of men, black men hanging from light poles downtown. Um, and a lot of those, honestly, I believe a lot of those lamp posts are still in existence. They've never like been taken down and no one ever went to jail for that. No one ever got punished for that. And so I am praying that someone saw something somewhere. There's evidence of whoever did this to these men and who's ever planning to do this to more men black men that they are brought to justice. They are brought to justice. They are not slaughtered. They are not murdered, but they are brought to justice Um, because there are some things that an answer is is needed for, and and we've had a lot of unanswered injustices and a lot of unaddressed issues with equality and because of that, this has been festering and being isolated and a loss of employment and uh, further being pushed down. Um, it's just a tinderbox. And then someone comes in and says, hey, you know, this is a good place to strike a match. And you strike a match and then you have a fire. Then that fire turns into a firebrand. Then that firebrand turns into a firestorm. And then that firestorm turns into something that is all on and cannot be contained. This is what I believe has been intentionally done. And because they are headless, there's, there's no one leader in this that's guiding the energies and the efforts. And whereas in the civil rights movement of the past, there was like Martin Luther King, there was Megar Evers, there was um, 
Malcolm X, you know, there there were leaders, there were people who were standing up and the people were following and and so there was like the uh, the forerunners, and then there were the people who were there. So there were many leaders, um, you know, Andrew Young, and just there were, there were many, many leaders during that time. So there was like a chain of command, if you would, and people just didn't go off half cocked. So it was organized, um, an organized approach. And so now you have factions, what I, what I call factions of organized approaches. And no one can pinpoint one particular person or assign responsibility for any one thing to one particular person or one particular group. So there are many, many different factions. And so it's it's not a concerted effort. So when you hear this recording in the future, just know that history will record this one way. But you owe it to yourself to examine the evidence and decide for yourself on what side of history you want to be on and what side of history you believe is right. Perhaps you'll say neither were right and there was a place in the middle where everybody could have come to the table and come to an agreement. But this is not that for me. This is not that. Nobody is seeking to come to a table to list their grievances and come to an agreement and come to a pass and say, okay, you know, we've got a truth. This isn't that. This isn't that. There's nobody seeking peace um, in this. Nobody is wanting to put extend an olive branch and say, okay, you know, we're going to stop this and we're going to make up. This is intentional. This is intentional and this is contrived and this is something that is wanted. Um, to happen to thwart uh, the progress. And so we've got an election coming up, and so some people are saying, you know, this is a distraction or this is about uh, President Trump and all of that. And, and and it's just like, you know, the election is going to happen. Um, is there going to be voter fraud? Yes. Uh, it's like there's always been voter fraud, always been voter fraud, no matter who was running for office. There's always been voter fraud. But at the end of the day, this country will have a president. So it's not like no matter what happens that we will go and not have a president. That would be something that is absolutely unheard of. And and it's just like England not having a queen or a king. That isn't going to happen. Somebody is going to be, as long as as there's a monarchy, there is somebody who's going to ascend to the throne. As long as there is a White House and a office of president, someone is going to ascend to the throne. So who is going to be, how is going to come about, and is it going to be something that um, is done legally or done illegally? Only time will tell. Only time will tell. But I hope that should you hear this recording is that you will gather the evidence and make a decision for yourself. Don't believe everything that you read in the history books at face value because a lot of things that are written in the history books are skewed 
based on who's writing it. And I say this as a history major because I intentionally chose to study history and um, business, American business and business law and history and English and writing and all of that, trying to get a handle on what made America, America. And I would say that I had great teachers in high school and college. But at the same time, I had a lot of things left out. Whether it was intentional or what, a, a lot of things were left out. A lot of things were whitewashed. A lot of things were not told the way that they actually were. So you can call it a miseducation or or whatever. But I've learned a lot about history since graduating high school and college. That was not taught to me. That should have been taught to me because certain pieces of it were taught to me, but not all the facts were taught. So this this is what I'm saying, that should you hear this recording in the future, I implore you to take an investigative approach and don't believe everything that you read. Don't believe everything that you read because it's going to read according to the writer. And if the writer is not unbiased, then you're going to have a biased account. You owe it to yourself if you're seeking the truth. Whenever you hear this is to look at all of the evidence and make a decision based on truth. Don't take a side. Don't take the white, the black, the brown, the yellow side, all of this. But how is it that you can have white killing blacks and it not be considered unjust, but if a black kills a white, there's going to be justice, right? There's going to be justice. And and so that you can be assured of there's going to be justice. But nobody out of all the races that exist, you've got the Hispanics, you've got the Indians, you've got the Asians, you've got um, the, the Middle Eastern Indians, and nobody's killing them. Nobody's um, chopping it up with them. It's just the black and the white. Why is that? Out of all the races that there are in the world, why is there always an undertow between the black and the white? Not every black person descended from a slave. That's something that I learned after school. Not everybody descended from a slave, but the greatest majority of blacks in America descended from slaves. So is it that, oh, oh there's, there's a passage in the Bible, there's a passage in the Bible, and this is Absalom, Amnon, and Tamar, David's children. And the brother desired his sister, and he was madly, madly in love with his sister. So he deceived his sister into coming to care for him 
And when she came to care for him, he raped her. And after he raped her, that same love that he had for her suddenly turned into vile hate and disdain for her. So you you flip the coin to going from love to hate so intensely. So the opposite side of that to to just being um, wanting to see this person totally destroyed and you cannot find a, another recording about this Tamar in the Bible. She goes to live in her other brother's house for all of her days. She never marries. She never becomes a mother. Uh, history does not record that. Um, if it's out there, I would love to read it. But the shame and the humiliation of what happened to her took her identity, took her her value, took her valor, took her dignity, took her ability to want to rise above that because of the cultural norms of the day. Uh, She was worthless because of what had been done to her. Nobody would want her as a wife. Nobody would want to marry her or, or to have a family with her. Nobody would want her. So even um, the other Tamar going out in search of sisterhood and not being embraced. So if there is something um, on a spiritual level is what I'm pointing to as we're coming up to Father's Day is that we came and I say we because I'm descendant from slaves. We came to this country not because we chose to come to this country. We were brought to this country against our free will and basically bastardized and, like it or not, uh, the slave master became that father over the slaves, right? And so because we were not acknowledged or legitimized. We were we were chattel. We were property. That stigma of being bastards in America has prevailed in a lot of ways in the black community, in our lives, personally and individually. So when you have bastard children, if you would, and, and I'm not talking about in a derogatory sense, but I'm saying where you have children that you don't take ownership of. You know, uh, history records that you sired children by this many slaves out of whatever, but you really don't want to claim them and you don't want your family to claim them. You don't take ownership or responsibility for for their well-being and you sell them off. Uh, to raise money for your family that you do own up to and you do. And so you don't see the evidence or the effect that this has on a people because it's been encoded into the DNA and it's being passed down, it's being passed down, it's being passed down, it's being passed down. And I remember hearing uh, an Asian being interviewed during the Rodney King Uh, melee in California and she said uh, no work, no work no no live um, with blacks 
uh, fire. They have fire in their bosom. No, 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 no. They have fire in their bosom. So the fire that's in the bosom of the black man comes from the genetic encoding of all of the history that they've endured and that they've gone through, yet they still are here. They have not been annihilated. They have not gone, and uh, we are basically almost the smallest percentage of the population, but we have the greatest percentage of injustice done to us. And so to tell people as we come into this commercial holiday of Father's Day that you are not wanted, you are not welcome, um, how can you call someone not welcome when you brought them to this house? You brought them into your house, and now suddenly they're no longer welcome. Well, you know, it's like um, it, it, that's just not how it works. It's just not how it works. I mean, where do we go, you know? Um, the language that the people had when they came, that was stripped from them. The identity that they had was stripped from them. The ability to ha- hand down the history, the oral history of who we were as a people. So now we have DNA, ancestry, and 23andMe and all this where people can draw your blood or, or, or take saliva uh, samples and basically trace you against the database of other people and say, okay, this is your people. This is where you came from. This is where you belong. Um, and yet um, that, I, I feel like I think that the, that should be something that the government gives to every black American. That is not something that should have to be paid for. It should just be given uh, as uh, something to every black American so that they can know um, where they descended from. But at the same time, this is a nation that has not, a nation of people that have not been embraced by the fathers that brought us to this land. And we have learned to teach ourselves to be fathers and mothers, not because of what was imparted to us. So there's something about the black man and the white man that goes much deeper than what history is acknowledging and recording. Somewhere there is a secret book (laughs) that has answers. But in the meantime, I say that with God, all things are possible. And I believe in God and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am not asking you to believe, and I'm not going to fall out with you if you don't believe. It is choice. But I have experienced much, and I attribute it to God. So as we come to a close on the show, again, this is day six of the broadcast of 10 days of broadcasting leading up to Father's Day. And I have people in mind that I want to interview during this time, but it's kind of like a fireside that I'm just having a conversation. And I'm just saying to you that we are one people. We are one people. And if you don't want to be one people, 
then you have to make a decision. If you don't want to be here or you don't want us to be here or whatever, we're here and you're here and we have to learn to move past all of of this and uh, puppetry and uh, let us be so that we can become the members of society that we need to become. And if should we choose to leave, that's, you know, our choice. But we were brought here, and here we are. We don't know anyplace else. So as we close, this has been Patricia Adams Live, and this is June 15, 2020. And remember, you have to stay alive in order to find out what the best is for the rest of your life. Changing the World by Eric Clapton as we close.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.